We talked about our sort of refined mission statement last week, right? We had this, this secret announcement that we weren't moving, right? Some of you, if you weren't here last week, we said, hey, there's a secret announcement coming, uh, and we said we're not moving. Well, we didn't move. We're still here. Moving once a year is more than enough. Um, and uh, we still haven't unpacked for moving here. It's like, ever, you ever move your house? You, you move your house and you get to the new house. How many of you still have boxes from the last time you moved? Yeah, like a lot of people, right? So don't look in my attic here. The vineyard attic is full of stuff that, uh, that we still have yet to, to unpack. But the big announcement of last week was that we sort of felt like God had refined what he's calling us to do. That nothing really has changed, but that God has designed this church to equip people for kingdom release, that this is our, the, the refining of our mission statement. And so uh, we talked about that last week. We talked about uh, how each and every one of you, God has called you and gifted you and created you for a purpose, that you all have a ministry that God has created you to do. And we, we had prayer time for that at the end, and, and a lot of folks, I, I heard back from a lot of folks that that God really kind of met them in the, that moment, that God spoke to them, that this is the thing that I'm creating you to do. And so uh, it was a really exciting thing, but I, I want to give a little bit of clarity as we go forward about what we mean. What do we mean by equipping people for kingdom release? What do we mean by that? Most people wouldn't have a problem with the word equipping. Kind of understand what people are. Four is just a connector. But kingdom release is a weird phrase. Anybody sort of like, I'm not really sure what that means. And so I want to talk a little bit about that today in a more abbreviated fashion uh, because Brad already preached half of it. So, um, but I want to be, begin by just sort of asking you to think about what's wrong with the world. Like, think about it for a minute. Like, when you think about what's wrong with the world, now don't give me the, the easy church answer of sin, right? We all know that that's it. But when you think about what's wrong with the world, when you're like, man, this is the thing that's really messed up about the world. You all have something in mind? you kind of like, These are the, this is kind of what's wrong with the world. Maybe it's the media. Maybe it's, uh, maybe, well, Facebook is media, but maybe it's Facebook. Maybe it's, uh, you know, the fact that Christians have not really been very active. Maybe it's uh, human trafficking is what's wrong with the world. Maybe it's all, there's all kinds of things, right, that, that are wrong with the world. And I want you to keep that in mind as I talk, because it tends to be that, that God is calling you a lot of times to the thing that upsets you the most, that the thing that, that has sort of messed up the world, the thing that you find the biggest problem with, a lot of time is an indication that God is calling you to do something about it. And so I want you to kind of keep that in mind. Now, I tend to like to preach from one passage. You guys have seen this, right? Like, I take one set of scripture and I say, what does this set of scripture say? This is like the 5,000 foot sermon, right? This is the, I can see everything. I can see the people outside of their house. You know, I'm flying. I can see all kinds of stuff, right? Today is more of like a 30,000 foot view of scripture. We're kind of like zoomed out a little bit and saying, man, I really like preaching one passage of scripture, but in order to understand what it is that God has called us to be and do, we sort of have to understand this biblical idea of kingdom, this biblical idea of kingdom. And sort of the, the home base for us is going to be out of Luke 9, uh, and it says this, it says, when Jesus had called the 12 together, 
He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and heal the sick. So we're gonna, this is sort of going to be like home base. As we kind of bounce around all over the Bible, this is going to be sort of what we keep coming back to. This idea that Jesus sent disciples to proclaim the kingdom of God and heal the sick. In other places it says, cast out demons, raise the dead, heal the sick, and proclaim the kingdom, right? Like this sort of fourfold kind of thing. And so as we dig in today, I just want you to understand that we're like not going to really spend a lot of time right there, but we're going to look at a lot of different things. So this idea of kingdom around the Bible is, is something that I think is one of the more misunderstood things that we find in scripture among churches. You know, uh, Jesus says something like this. He says in Mark 1, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Or in Luke 4, he says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that's why I was sent. Now, these are fairly explicit statements about the kingdom of God that Jesus makes. Page after page after page through the Gospels, Jesus refers to the kingdom of God. In fact, scholars who never agree on anything else agree that the main thrust of the message of Jesus was the kingdom of God. Beyond all things, the main point that Jesus was trying to make is the kingdom has come near. And so all over, Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God has come near, and then somebody gets healed. The kingdom of God has come near, and then demons flee, right? If you read your Bible, you'll see that over and over and over. And then he, talk, then he begins to describe the kingdom with parables. If you've, got, if you've ever read them, and I'll give you one example, Luke 13 uh, begin in verse 18, it says, Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed, which, man took, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again, he asked, What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. So over and over and over again, you see these phrases, right? Those of you who have read through it, you've seen Jesus say this, like, the kingdom of God is like a, a, a treasure buried in a field. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like, right? Have you seen, have you seen that? If not, we have Bibles. You can take one home and read it. it it's in there. But this message of Jesus was about the long-awaited kingdom of God, that it had finally come in the arrival of Jesus. But here's the problem. How many of you have ever lived in a kingdom? We don't really use that language much anymore, do we? Like, you know, the United Kingdom. You guys have heard that, right? The UK, Great Britain. They always sound smart just because of the accent, right? I, told, I think I told you last week I use a British lady as my GPS nav. Because I just assume she knows what she's talking about. Turn right. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You got it. Um, but when we read in 2019, there's not a natural understanding of what it means by the kingdom of God, right? Have you ever, if you were honest, on a show of hands, ready? How many of you are 100% solid, solid? I understand what the kingdom of God is. Couple. Right? It's sort of this thing that we would all do like this, right? Like in, in polite company, we would go, oh, yeah, the kingdom of God right? You, have, you don't know what they're talking about. They don't really know what they're talking about either. And yet you both just sort of go, yeah, the kingdom of God. Yep. Yep. Like, that's what, I understand what you're saying there. 
about the kingdom of God. I don't really, but I don't want to look stupid by saying, hey, I don't really understand what you're talking about. You guys know what that's like. Uh, but you, when you hear this idea of the kingdom of God, it's something that we're not really familiar with. We don't understand what it's like to live in a kingdom. And so we sort of come up with our own ideas, right? Don't we? We sort of come up with our own ideas. And, and so as we're trying to figure out what Jesus is saying, we, some people, when they hear the kingdom of God, they think, well, clearly... A kingdom is a geographical area. So like the UK has, in the, the United Kingdom has this geographical boundary. So Jesus must be talking about a physical geographic place like Israel. Let's just say it's, let's just pretend. We'll say it's Israel that, we're, that he's talking about, right? That, that, this is one interpretation of what people think. Like, okay, well, Israel must be pretty important because he talks about it all the time. Kingdom has to be a geographic location. Or some people, when they hear the kingdom of God, they think that Jesus is talking about the church. That when we talk about the kingdom of God, what we're talking about is the church of Jesus Christ. That these are one and the same. Or some people, when they hear about the kingdom of God, they believe that Jesus is talking about heaven. Now, some of you have located yourself already, right? On, as I'm listing these, you're like, yeah, that's me. What's wrong with that? Um, some, some people think that Jesus is talking about heaven. But what is Jesus talking about? What is the kingdom of God? Simply put, it's this. The kingdom of God is God's kingship, his rule, and his authority. The kingdom of God is what happens when Jesus gets his way, when things go the way Jesus wants it to go. The kingdom of God is where God's will is perfectly done. That's the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is not a geographic location, but it certainly can happen in a geographic location. We wandered around last night down at the night market praying for people. We saw the kingdom of God show up at the night market in a geographic location, standing right by one of those poles that almost falls over. You know what I'm talking about. Um, some, some people, it's the kingdom of God is not the church, but it should happen in the church, right? Should we or should we not see the, the rule and reign of God in this place? Wouldn't you say that that should be what we should see here, that the, the church ought to be a, an outpost of the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is not heaven, but it happens there. That God's rule and reign happens perfectly in heaven. That's not the kingdom, but the kingdom happens perfectly there. When we talk about the kingdom, we're talking about anywhere or anytime God's will takes place. What God wants happens. When I was a kid, some of you know I grew up in a Lutheran church. Anybody else grew up in a Lutheran church? Any other Lutherans? Closet Lutherans. Come on, man. That's okay. No, I should, it, this stuff gets recorded, so I shouldn't say that. Uh, <laughs> but what happens in a Lutheran church every single week, without fail, is that we pray this prayer called the Lord's Prayer. Anybody else ever, you know what that is? When I say the Lord's Prayer, you know what I'm talking about? Every, every week we would pray the Lord's Prayer. And as a kid, here's how I felt like the Lord's Prayer went. And everybody sort of mumbles the Lord's Prayer because we just have done it so many times. And, but after I understood what was meant by the kingdom of God, I was like, what are you doing? Like, I was like blown away. Like, we're praying this kingdom prayer and we're mumbling it. I, for those of you who don't really, really know, it starts like this. It says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What's the next line? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When I heard that, I was like, 
what are we doing? How could you mumble this? Like, we're asking the kingdom of God, God's dynamic rule and reign to break in here and now. I always thought, like, man, they don't quite get it, but they get it. They get it real well. They put it in the liturgy every week. I don't know how you could mumble a prayer like that if you understood what it means. You're asking God's rule and reign to happen here and now the way it happens in heaven. Perfectly. That's the kingdom of God. That's like powerful stuff, man. The kingdom of God is the dynamic rule and reign of God. If you haven't got that by now, the kingdom of God is the dynamic rule and reign of God. So we understand, though, intuitively, right, that, that the kingdom of God doesn't always happen, right? Like, you don't have to look at the world very long to understand that the kingdom of God doesn't happen. God doesn't always seem to get his way, right? Any of you deluded? No? Okay. I mean, you look over the world, right? Like, drug overdose continues to steal the lives of people everywhere, right? We live in a town, actually, interestingly enough, this is, has nothing to do with this, but uh, did you know, since the, the Unity stuff started happening, our city was on a trend, just an outrageous drug overdose trend, people dying. And this year, it ticked down. Not just a little bit, significantly down. Like, I mean, this, there's no other way to describe this, but all of a sudden, churches started being united. We started praying weekly together. We as pastors started getting together and saying, we're going to pray to see this broken in our community. And in this city, this year, the trend is significant. Like, it's not like, well, you know, we were going up like this, and we sort of like leveled off. It's like significant down that the power of the kingdom of God can break in, even in this situation. But we see it all over the country, right? We see opioid crisis all over the country, people dying all over the place. Or you see the fact that suicide rates can continue to be high. I mean, some of you, if you watched Facebook this past week, I said that like it's a TV show. If you watched Facebook. <laughs> I'm not old, I promise. Um, if, if you saw on Facebook this past week, there was a pastor who committed suicide beginning of the week. It's all over the place. And you go, where was God's rule and reign there? I mean, that's, I was having a conversation with Gerald actually yesterday, and it's like shocking but not surprising. I don't know if you ever think about it. You see people, this kind of stuff happen all over the place, right? Like how often do we see uh, mass shootings? It's like you want to care about every last one of them, but when you hear two or three every week, it's like I care that people are getting shot, but it sort of wears off, doesn't it? Like, where's the kingdom of God in that place? People continue to be trafficked all over the world. And if you don't know this, like, we, I used to think, well, it's not happen. it doesn't happen in America. It happens, like, you know, over there. It happens all over the place. We have that, the same stuff happening right here, that people get trafficked even in this country, even, even in this city, that that happens. It's a real thing. You know, the disparity of the rich to the poor continues to grow. The richer are richer and the poorer are poorer. That gap continues to grow. Children continue to die prematurely. If you're not depressed enough, I could keep going. But we don't even have to go outside the church to see that God doesn't always get his way. Do we? I mean, I know there are, there are the, some of us that are like, trying to process mental illness in your family. 
right now. Some of you have, have lost somebody unfairly, like, right now. And you're trying to process, like, this loss, this thing that hurts me. Some of you are, like, looking at relationships and going, I'm following Jesus. What's wrong with my marriage? How come I lost my marriage? Right? We don't have to go outside the church to see that God doesn't seem to be getting his way all the time. Some of you have, have been, I, I would imagine probably everybody in this room knows somebody that's been impacted by cancer. Where was the kingdom of God in that place? And if, you, if none of this impacts you, if you just try to pray for healing for somebody, it doesn't always happen. And Jesus says, proclaim the kingdom and heal the sick. And you go, well, how many people did we pray for last night? Some of them didn't get healed. And you're just like, I, I don't really understand this. What does it mean as we consider the kingdom of God, especially as we consider what we as followers of Jesus, as we try to release the kingdom, what does this mean for us? Like, how do we, un how do we understand this? Well, when Jesus showed up, the first time, he talked about the kingdom in two different ways. He talked about the kingdom as the kingdom has come, the kingdom is near, the kingdom is among you, and it sort of seems to indicate that God's rule and reign is like, it's a real, legit, present reality. And then he says things like this, the kingdom of God will come. It's in the future. It's yet to come. We're waiting on the kingdom of God to come. So it's like God's will is already being done, but it's not completely being done. And so doesn't that sort of feel like our experience? Like sometimes, I don't know about you, but like there's some weeks, pastoral confession here, right? There are some weeks that I'm like, man, God really moved on Sunday. That was so cool. That was awesome. And people got healed and people were like weeping and God was like, and then there's some weeks where you're like, where did everybody go? What happened? Didn't they love what happened last week? I loved what happened last week. There's this constant like, I thought people would be attracted to this kingdom stuff. Right? And, and I mean, this is just what goes on inside of my crazy head. It would never be any other pastor anywhere. Ever. But we experience this, right? Like, isn't this our reality? That one week it's amazing and the kingdom of God breaks through and the next week we're like praying for people and it just feels like the prayers are hitting the ceiling. Right? You've experienced this. And Jesus says that when he came the first time, that the kingdom had come, but that it would be resistible. That people would have to seek to find it. That the secret of the kingdom would be found through Jesus. But then he said, when I come again, it will be irresistible. That it will come in like a boulder and smash every other will. That the will of Satan won't be allowed to exist any longer. The kingdom of God has come, but it's not yet fully come. We live between the times. There was this time, and some of you have heard this, uh, World War II. That was a war last century, for those of you who are too young to remember. World War II happened in the beginning of the 1900s. Um, in the middle, I guess. Uh, after the success, you guys know D-Day? We went to visit Normandy, the beach in Normandy in France. and It was a pretty cool place to go. If you get a chance, you should go. Um, but the Allies attacked the beach in Normandy in uh, June of uh, two, or 1944, June 6, 1944, on what was called D-Day, this invasion, right, where they, they showed up on the beach and lots of people got killed. Um, but when the Allies won that victory, historians all agreed that the war was basically over, that there was no way the Axis would ever come back 
that 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 was the end of the war and yet it went on for another year and some of the worst casualties happened over that next year before the war was finally over in V-Day that there was a period of time where the war was already over and yet somehow the battle raged on and this is a picture of kind of what's happening metaphorically with the kingdom of God right that we live in between D-Day and B-Day, right? We know that Jesus has won the battle, that at some point, all healing is going to take place. At some point, people aren't going to struggle with demonization. At some point, mental illness is not going to take people. It's not going to ruin their lives. At some point, people won't be human trafficked, and yet we live in a point right now where sometimes it feels hopeless, if I'm honest. That's how it feels a lot of the times, Right? Have you ever prayed for somebody every day and it doesn't feel like it's making a difference? And you're like, God, where were you? How come you didn't show up in this moment? This is the place that we live. We live in between the times. And it creates a tension for all of us who follow Jesus, doesn't it? That we live in this place where the kingdom of God is at hand and the kingdom of God has come. And yet, it's not always happening, and I don't really understand why it's not happening. It's not fully here. Sometimes we pray for someone, the kingdom of God breaks in, and the situation has changed, and we're like, this is amazing. This is what it's supposed to be like. If you've ever prayed for somebody, laid hands on somebody, and seen something change, like you'll be like, I'm in touch with the supernatural. Like If you've ever done that, if you've ever laid your hands on someone, and seeing them made well, it blows your mind. It's like, why would God do this with me? Like, right. If you've ever had that experience where somebody lays hands and, and you're healed, it's like, wow. But then the same thing, you lay hands on somebody and nothing happens. And we're in this like spot of like, what, what just happened right here? Some of you, many of you know, I used to fly for the airlines. Uh, and I was still doing that when we moved here to plant the church. And uh, it was near the end of my time at the airlines, and uh, we, I don't remember what city we were in, but I was talking to the flight attendant in between flights, and she's like, yeah, I got this family member, really sick. They say it's, it's hopeless, it's not going to happen. And I'm like, oh yeah, it is. It's going to happen. Call them. We're going to get them on the phone. God's going to, and I, I just like, I'm like, I've got faith for this, man. This is going to happen. So we fly to LaGuardia in New York. And we're sitting in LaGuardia for maybe 45 minutes. And I go back and I'm like, did you get him on the phone? Get him, we're going we're to do this. So like, she hands me this phone. I'm talking to somebody that I don't know. And I'm like, I'm going to pray for you and God's going to heal you. So like, I pray like with all the authority that I can like just imagine exists in the kingdom. And I'm like, and in Jesus, I'm just like, I'm just going after this thing, right? And so I hand this lady the phone back and I was like, keep me up to date. This is going to be amazing. God's going to show you and all of your family, how much he's so passionate about you, how much he loves you and wants a relationship with you. And, and so she's like, yeah, that's great. That's, that's cool. Three days later, she sends me this text message. And I'm like, yes, this is it. This is, she's going to say it's all gone. Like, and it's the obituary of the lady I prayed for. Why didn't the kingdom show up? What happened? What happened? How do you explain something like that? I know that there are people in this room, you have prayed for something and you haven't seen it happen. And we live in this sort of tension, right? Where 
we believe that it's possible. We've seen it happen, and yet it doesn't always happen, and I don't understand it. Nobody really likes living in that tension, do we? It's called risk, right? If I'm going to put myself out there and speak with all authority to this disease that it's going to go and it doesn't go, what's the fear? I'm going to look like a moron, right? What if God doesn't do this this time? And then we start dealing with fear, right? You guys had that experience? And so we try to resolve, because we humans don't love this tension thing. We try to resolve the tension, don't we? Always trying to resolve the tension. That's a tendency in all, at least in me. I won't put that on you. Maybe you never try to resolve it. But like, we either go, you know what? I can't bear to put myself on the line for the kingdom and not see it happen. So we're going to just decide that that's, the kingdom is entirely future. And God's not really doing that stuff right now. Your healing will come when you get to heaven, and we don't pray, right? That's one way to resolve the tension is just to decide that that's not what God's up to, and I'm not going to do that anymore. The other way we resolve the tension is we go, well, God always does it. The kingdom is completely already here. God always does it. Now, those people who believe that see it not happen. So you got to justify that somehow in your own mind, so you go, well... It didn't happen because one of us didn't have enough faith, and clearly it wasn't me, so it must have been you. You have little faith. You would be healed if you, if you just had more faith. You could have been healed. And we resolve the tension this way, don't we? You've seen that. I think a lot of us probably are turned off by that, right? Unless you're the guy that's wandering around telling everybody else they don't have faith. Maybe you're not turned off about it. <laughs> but we put on people who are not made well the fact that not only are you not well, you also don't have enough faith to be well. Also, you know, the Bible doesn't really justify that perspective. But we try to resolve the tension, don't we? We want, we want somehow to be able to say every time these things work this way, right? That's what I want. I want every time I follow these steps, healing happens. I will pray for this. It always works. And yet it's not up to me. That somehow God has invited me into something that I'm not in charge of. And he just asks me, will you be faithful? He asks you, will you be faithful? How do you feel about the calling God has put on your life, you having no real control about the success of that? How does that make you feel? And yet that's the tension of the kingdom, isn't it? There's no guarantee that the thing he's putting you to is going to succeed the way you think it will succeed. And our only response is, will I be obedient? That's why I love the way we do our, our small groups. That we land in this place of how do I make myself obedient to what I have learned that God has called me to do? Whatever God says, will I do it? Will I be obedient? Nobody likes the tension. So how does this fit, as I, as I kind of come to wrap this up, how does this fit with equipping people for kingdom release? If that's what we believe we're called to do, we're supposed to equip you for kingdom release. How does this fit? What does it look like? I want to come back to that very first scripture that I, that I, I prayed or read. It said, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. That's another word that I don't like. Says drive, he gave him power and authority to drive out all demons. 
You ever try to cast out a demon and it didn't happen? That'll mess with you a little bit. Sorry, it has nothing to do with what I was talking about. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and heal the sick. So what does this look like? What does it look like to release the kingdom? It looks like you being faithful to what God has called you to do wherever God has called you to do it. That's it. That you would, that if God calls you to be a writer and to influence media from the inside, that you would be faithful to what God calls you to do in that space. That you would show up as a kingdom person in that space. See, what's supposed to happen is kingdom people show up where people are sick and people get well. Kingdom people show up in places where injustice happens, and because of their kingdom nature, things get shifted where justice happens. That's what's supposed to happen. That's what being salt and being light is about, is being put in places where God has called you so that you can transform the space you inhabit. Feel that? Anybody else hear that? It's like ringing in my ear. Am I crazy? Do you hear it? Dog whistle. Um, But that's the way this is supposed to work. That we would train you and equip you to be people who could be kingdom people everywhere you go. That if God calls you to be a doctor or God calls you to be a nurse, you'd be a kingdom doctor or a kingdom nurse. If God calls you to be a writer, you'd be a kingdom writer. That your presence in any situation automatically transforms the atmosphere of that place. You have a calling on your life to transform the spaces. You don't go anywhere by accident. Did you know that? That God calls you places on purpose. He puts you places, a lot like Allie talked about. Matt Burns shows up. God put him there on purpose, said, I'm going to need you right here for this purpose. You're going to serve a kingdom purpose right now. That's what it is for us to equip people for kingdom release. I'm not training you all to be pastors, friend. I mean, people have told me I don't look like I should be. I take it as a compliment. There's no other way to take it, I guess. You get offended. I'm not training you to be pastors. That's, we're not trying to equip everybody to be pastors. If God calls you to be a pastor, you should be a pastor, and you should be a kingdom pastor. But if, if God calls you to something else, you should be a kingdom person in that place. That's what we're trying to do here. Over the next three weeks, we're going to wrap this series up by talking about what it looks like to release the kingdom in some very specific places. Namely, the place you live, where you spend a lot of your time. The place you work, where you also spend a lot of your time. A quarter of your week, if you work 40 hours a week. And then wherever God calls you will be the last one. We're going to talk about what it looks like to release the kingdom in some very specific places. But understand that your call is to release the kingdom everywhere you go that you can walk around at the night market and encounter people maybe that you haven't seen in a long time or ever and see God break in. I mean, you can talk to him at the table. He can tell you some stories that were pretty cool from last night. So here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to wrap up and allow time for uh, prayer. If you need to get your kids, if you need to go, I totally understand because we're late. We had a lot of things going on. But I do want to make space for us to get prayer. So, Ali, you can go ahead. If you're like, if you're a person that you feel like you have resolved the tension, like, I'm not going to pray for people because I don't want to look foolish, 
or at some level I have decided I'm not going to live in this tension of already but not yet. If that's you, like, would you be brave and come forward during this last song, just allow us to pray for you, that God would, would just give you a passion to live in that tension again? Um, some of you, you're, you're kind of maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time beginning to discover that where God has placed you, he intends you to be a kingdom person. And so this is like a new information. Maybe you thought you had to be a pastor to do anything kingdom related. Maybe you thought you had to be some sort of like church worker to, to do that. But you're sort of discovering that maybe I can be, maybe I can be a factory worker, a kingdom factory worker. Maybe I can be a kingdom writer. Maybe I can be a, a, a kingdom pilot. Maybe I can be a kingdom um, office manager. If that's you, you sort of are, are discovering this for the first time, would you allow us to bless you? I'd just like to have you just kind of come up and just we're, we're going to just pray briefly just to bless that in you and that God would, would give you authority to do what he's called you to do. And we'll pray for anything at all, um, but specifically those things. So uh, would you guys go ahead and just stand and we'll have this last song. And if you need prayer for anything at all, please feel free to come forward. Just...